I go to the Lord in prayer and seek, trying to get wisdom and understanding of his word. And if you think about the Old Testament, the people there weren't listening. They weren't obeying. Jesus Christ was prophesied of his coming. The Messiah was coming. The cross, they were looking toward a cross that came. But they didn't. They weren't listening to the the word of God. They weren't listening to the scriptures. They weren't reading the scriptures. And in the New Testament, we have Jesus Christ, who's sharing with his disciples. He's teaching them. And as we've been going through the book of Luke, have you noticed how Jesus came into the world, how he was conceived? God did the impossible before mankind. And then he starts his ministry. And he calls his disciples to follow him. And he does all the work. He does the healing. He does the miracles. Right before the disciples' eyes. And the people and the crowds grow, getting bigger and bigger and following him. And then there's a transition. In the last couple of Sundays, have you noticed? He said to his disciples, now you do it. You go out. I'll give you the authority and the power to do it. Go and do what you've been watching me doing. You've been following me, you've been seeing this, now go. And now, what does it look like today for us? This book was written a long time ago, these scriptures are old, I understand that. But we're not to read it as a history book. It is incredibly fascinating and incredible, but it's real, it's relative to now. God is speaking to you. So many of us say the words, it's the living word. But then we don't see it because it convicts us. It's not what I'm saying. It's actually what Jesus is saying. I'm just saying exactly what Jesus is saying in the scriptures. For some it is actually, they felt, I have the heart of an evangelist. Yes, I do. But I'm also repeating what God's word is saying. He is saying, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. We have to listen. We have to obey And in Ephesians, look with me, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. Isn't that the crux of it all? Look at that in the scriptures. And gave himself up for us. How important is that to you? That's what this this whole thing is about. We look back at the cross. We look back, and it's constantly reminding us, this man did this for us to go forward. This passage we're going to look, if you turn now back to Luke with me, chapter 9. When you've turned there, would you say amen? I remembered. (laughs) In some uh, commentaries, they say that this passage is about barriers towards true discipleship. But for me, as I studied it over and over, as I looked at this passage, I want to ask yourself the same question as I go on this morning. Am I following Okay, look at those shepherds out there on that video. 
Those sheep. And that's what God, Jesus relates to us as. We're just sheep. Okay? Those sheep are following that man. Question is, throughout this, ask yourself, am I following? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Paul said that. You see, Jesus has extended an invitation to everyone to follow him. It doesn't matter how much faith you have or how little faith you have. He's invited you to follow him, just like the disciples. He's saying, follow my lead. Imitate me. Listen to the script. Watch how I've done things. And do it the same as I'm doing it. Look at the results Jesus got by coming to the, his father in prayer. It was interesting. We had a discussion with all the pastors on Thursday about, have you noticed how different people pray? And they're all got a different version of praying. Yet in the Bible, the disciples asked, teach us how to pray. And he says, he starts with our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Be imitators of me, just as I am also of Christ. The invitation is an invitation to a relationship. It's a personal relationship. What you understand Jesus Christ doing for you personally on the cross that what sets your passion on fire. How grateful are you of that? It begins with a simple request. Follow me. Andy Stanley puts it very nicely here. He says, you know, religion says, change and you can join us. Religion says, change and then you can join us. Jesus says, join us and you will change. There's a huge difference. Jesus doesn't expect people to be perfect. He just wants them to follow him. Being a sinner doesn't disqualify anyone. Being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify anyone else. In fact, following almost always begins with a sinner and an unbeliever. Taking one step at a time. Could you change the slide there for me? It always begins with a sinner and an unbeliever taking one step at a time. So let's look at Luke chapter 9, verses 57 to 62. And read along with me in your Bible. And that's important. If you don't have a Bible, please pick up the Bible. Because I don't want you walking out of here saying, this is what Wayne said. Okay? I want you to read this for yourself and see what Jesus is saying to you personally. Okay? It says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But, he said to him, Allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Another said, 
Another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. This passage has some interesting statements, some conversations, some commands, some decisions have to be made. It's those two words again, defining moments. It's a defining moment every day of your life. Every moment you're awake, you have a defining moment. question is, am I following the shepherd? Am I trusting the shepherd? Jesus Christ. His word is speaking to you. It's very important to live for today. Look at the world today. Look what happened in the Old Testament. They weren't listening. They didn't pay attention. Look at the prophets. Those are reading through the Bible with me. Look at the weeping prophet Jeremiah, what, what he was telling them. And they didn't listen. Are we listening? We're living today and we're asked to follow him. The word follow Jesus uses in the Greek is akalutho, to follow, to accompany, to be a disciple. He's using this Greek word to indicate that he's not seeking a short-lived relationship in following him, but a continuous and lifelong commitment. Think about that. How are you following Jesus Christ. See, the disciples spent that, those years listening, learning, getting knowledge. The Bible also says, be careful, knowledge puffs up. And God got them to a point, okay, you've been listening, you've been watching, now use it. Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Those aren't my words. Have you noticed Jesus never tried to move people emotionally into a moment of crisis which they had to accept him? Struck me as I went over and over the Gospels. He doesn't have any system of changing your life to believe in him. He simply says, follow me. Follow me. So we're following him through the scriptures and it takes him to the cross to die for our sin. So what do we do with that? How long are we going to just be disciples? When are we going to step up and take what we know, pray, use the authority that's within us to ask God to do the impossible in our lives, in the lives of around us? You know, Jesus is very good at uncovering people's lack of faith. The scriptures do this. They uncover our genuine faith or lack of genuine faith. Our sincere commitment to follow him. A disciple means learn a follower. But we're constantly learning. But the Bible tells us, Paul tells us, we need to mature. We need to eat meat. 
we need to get out there and spread the kingdom of God's word. Are we really following? Have we understood what it means to follow him? Jesus, in this passage, exposes the hearts of those that think they're following, think they're a disciple of his. These three things came up to ask you. Are we following the shepherd? Do we know his voice? Will we obey immediately? Let's look at the text we've just read there. Are you noticing a pattern here? No one is obeying immediately. They've got him here, standing right here. They're talking to him. They're hearing his voice. We have him in the word of God and in our hearts. The Holy Spirit speaks to us, directs us, teaches us, guides us. The word convicts us. But are we obeying immediately? Let's look at verse 57 again. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. This someone is recorded in Matthew as a scribe, intelligent guy, pulling around all these religious people, recording things. What's his alternative motive to now be a follower, to be a disciple? What's he looking for? What a big statement. Look at that statement. I will follow you wherever you go. What does he want from that position? What do you want from the position? You know, as we step up as deacons and elders, as we step up to follow him in the ministry he's called us into, what is is your motive for that? It's not about us. It's about others. We're called to pass on this invitation. We, as our theme verse, our vision verse for this church, we are ambassadors for Christ. So are we inviting people? Are we saying, come, follow us? What did Paul say? Be imitators of me like I imitate Christ. You have Jesus Christ's spirit living in you. You can say like that, if you're living like that, like Paul, passionate, pass this invitation out. We've got to face the tasks with love. And with what is happening today in our world, I believe a sense of urgency too. It's really getting heated up, isn't it? But when you look at the Old Testament, it was getting really heated up. And what did they do? They did not listen. And God punished them. What he says he will do, he will do it. And that is in the word of God. He's never not said something and not done it. He fulfills his promises. Jesus is saying all of this to us, not me. Look into the word. Shut your eyes. Listen to the shepherd. He's saying go and proclaim the kingdom of God. I will follow you wherever you go. This is a serious statement. Have any of you said this? How many of you have said this? I've said this. 
It's easy to say that, isn't it? Especially when you just got saved and you, re- and you just see what a kind of person you were as you're on your knees before Jesus. And he's just taking it away. Making you a new person. Boy, I'll follow you, Lord, wherever you go. And then look what he says. Look with me at verse 58. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Are you still willing to follow him? What does that say to you when you just say, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. I will do whatever you tell me to do. Lord, I love you so much. I am so grateful, God, for what you've done. And then he throws that out. What's he saying? See, Jesus is the center of all of this. We have to listen very carefully and listen to our heart and what we say. We make a vow. We make a commitment. We've got to live through it. We've got to follow through on it. The Jesus' response to that person desiring to follow him, he must consider what he's saying. He must give up what others consider necessities to life. That's what he's saying. This is God here, Jesus Christ, walking on earth, and he has no home. He has no home. He's wandering around. His disciples have no home. We know early on what they gave up. These were businessmen. Peter was married. He walked away. To follow Jesus. They were on their way to Jerusalem. Where Jesus will be put to death. Are we getting confronted with reality now? This morning? About this word, follow me. The title Son of Man is Jesus' divine name. Son of David is his Jewish name. But the Son of Man... Is the name that links him to earth and to his mission. It was his favorite description of himself. It's used 91 times. And it's based from Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 and 14. It emphasizes his lowliness and humanity, his suffering and death. His future reign as king. It goes right the way back. This is all planned. And what is coming for all of us. It is all planned. And so when you're engaging in conversations with people of the world today, the secular world, what are you talking about? You need to proclaim the word of God. You need to be able to share what's coming up. And it made me think about in Matthew chapter 9 verse 8, Jesus said to a man called Matthew, which is, he wrote this book, the Gospel of Matthew, sitting in the tax collector's booth and said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Made me think about, what did the other disciples think about this guy? And I heard this described of uh, Matthew to try and help people today to think about how despised the tax collector was. What do you think of people that stand outside of our school trying to sell drugs to our kids? What's the first thought that comes into your mind? Well, that's what a tax collector was like. Jews hated them. They despised them. And God and Jesus says, hey, 
Come follow me. Join us. This guy gets up and follows him. What are the other disciples thinking? So as we are Christians and we look at someone else's life, what they've been doing and what they've been involved in, you've got to embrace them. Follow me. Come. Jesus will take away your sin. Will forgive what you're doing. Come and follow us. You will change. Jesus will change you. You know, in Genesis chapter 12, this was the big verse in my time when the Lord was speaking to me to say, I want you to go. When people ask me, how can you just go? I said, well, God spoke to Abram and said, go. And he took his family and and headed off. And God said, I'll show you the land I'm taking you to. And then in Genesis chapter 2, 22, verses 7 and 8, Isaac, his son now, who's been waiting for his son all this time, it's a gift from God because he's old, too late to have children, but he has a child. Isaac, this is his pride and joy, loves him so much. Isaac, his son, says to Abraham, his father, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering. Look what Abraham says. God will provide for himself the lamb of the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked together. I got to think about this when the Lord was asking me to go, do this. How? Here was Abraham with his only son. He doesn't tell Sarah about this, by the way. Gets up in the morning, he obeys immediately, and he heads off. He doesn't know where he's going either. God says, I'll show you when you get there. He's taking his son to sacrifice him because God said so. This is where we get our faith based around this man. Incredible faith. You know, we learn life's lessons when we live life. We see God as what he says when we are obedient. We don't see it until we have done it, till we get up and go. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 and 34. God has such a perfect plan for each of us. It's so important. And as we look at what's happening in the world today and the news that's going on, we're, we're right on track. We're right on the hour. Look what it says there. And this was another encouraging verse for Linda and I. Has everybody got it? Say amen. Okay. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added. My emphasis provided to you. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What does that say to you? Totally opposite to the world, isn't it? See, everyone has potential and has a God-ordained plan for their lives. It's limitless when this potential is unlocked. When you allow Jesus Christ to unlock your potential. You know, in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I have the plans for you to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. 
That's a verse that I held on to when I jumped on that airplane. Well, you said this, God. I'm holding you to it because (laughs) I have no idea how to get through this. When you allow him to unlock this potential, you will see God. You will experience God in the midst of your life, your walk. You will see what he caused all of the Christians to come together to do. Get involved. Stand up and worship with this talented musician we have here. If you have the gift of music and to sing. Join the choir with Dennis Roney and us. Let your joy be seen. Your passion for Christ. Just unlock. Let him unlock the potential. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about how it's going to happen. He's going to, he said it there. I'm going to, I'll take care of everything. If you seek the kingdom of God first. In other words, trust me. We all have resources that when it's unlocked, this potential just starts to grow. So many people are watching TV. And within 30 minutes, they are so upset with Israel. They have no idea. They have absolutely no idea what's happening. They don't understand what's happening to this world they live in. Watch the conversations. Listen to them carefully. Those that have never been taught the Bible are scared. They are frightened. They have no idea what God is going to do. And they have no idea what he's going to do to this world either. It's so important that those disciples, us followers, are listening to the shepherd. We're listening to the word. It's it's so important. This is not a coincidence we're doing Luke. I did not choose Luke. I'm not choosing the words to over and over say to you, go and preach, proclaim the kingdom of God. He is. So what are we willing to risk for people? Because isn't that what it's about? Our lives interconnect. The dots connect. We're meeting people all the time. What legacy are we wanting to leave behind? Now Jesus has some serious sandals to fill. He's laid it out here. Follow me. So his disciples are following. We got to that point. But you know what? As a church, we've transitioned from that point too. Because we're now in the scriptures where he told his disciples, now you go and you do it. Because I'm going to leave you soon. And when I leave you, I want you to continue doing this. So as followers of Christ, are we continuing to do this? People are looking for shepherds, disciples, leaders they can approach to learn what is important. How do we understand this? People are asking. And if we don't prepare ourselves, you know what? They hate Israel. Israel is just, that's just ridiculous, these people doing what they're doing. This is God's people you're speaking about. This is who he loves. You know, in this passage we're looking at, if you look at it again, the word but comes up six times. How many times do we say that when the Holy Spirit convicts us? How many times do we go, but, uh, mm, 
But you know what follows a but? An excuse. We, we, we just bring out an excuse. Oh, I can't do that. You have no idea. You know, I've got to, I've got to make sure I've got my school fees for the kids. I've got to, oh, they went, I can't do that at work. I can't do this. I can't go there. How will I get there? Jesus says, follow me. Jesus, you know, just think about it at this time. We've seen this and we've pictured it in some of my um, PowerPoints here. Jesus says, follow me. And at that time, what was he? He was a carpenter's son. He was an absolute nobody. Nobody. While he was walking on earth. And isn't it amazing? Look what he's recruiting. Look who he's recruiting. Nobodies. Nobodies. I'm a nobody. But he picked me. He spoke to me in church. Spoke to Linda. And I was 25 years old. Following the wrong road. Success, power, money. But he says, stand up. Follow me. How cool is that? If anyone is here and says, yeah, but you don't understand what I've done. I don't want to understand what you've done. Jesus knows exactly what you've done. He knew exactly what I had done. But he, made, he just made me feel comfortable, loved. He said, stand up. I stood up in that church in South Africa. Never been there before. Just taking my mom to church because she believed in Jesus Christ as her Savior. I just got engaged to Linda. We did this just to please my mom. And that man proclaiming the kingdom of God in the service. God's word just hit me so hard and I stood up. Oh, I want to follow that shepherd. Isn't that cool? No matter what you've done, he's saying, follow me. We have to know what we're doing. We have to know why we're doing it. You don't want to keep saying, but let me first. Look at verse 59 with me. And he said to another, follow me. And here we are. Look where we have a but. But he said, Lord, permit me first to go bury my father. An excuse. Why is these guys starting to make excuses now? Is it because earlier on of what Jesus says? Foxes have holes, the birds have nests. I have nowhere to lay my head. All of a sudden, what's happening to the disciples? What's happening to us as Christians? Are we backing off? What if God says to me to go here? I was at the Leadership Global Conference and an Indian fellow there from India he said, you know, he used, when he got saved, he said, God, I'll follow you wherever you go, but don't send me to Kolkata. Guess where he landed up? Kolkata. But what a work he's doing. What a work. Jesus, in Jesus' day, a Jewish man was expected to care for his elderly parents until they died. One man wanted, as we see in the scriptures, to wait until his, di- his dad died before following Very honorable in the eyes of tradition, isn't it? But what was his other motives there? 
Could it be possible that he, I don't want to miss out on my inheritance? The problem with the man's excuse was that his father was not yet dead. Since the Jewish people did not embalm their dead, their custom dictated that the burial take place immediately. So what was his problem? What is our problem? To be committed to follow him. You know, as I thought about this guy, prayed about him, in Luke chapter 8 verse 14, you remember the parable about the seeds? Isn't he one of these guys? The seeds which fell among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. You know this word fruit, and this is Jesus' word, John chapter 15. It's not me saying this to you. It's him saying it to you. What does he want from us as followers of Jesus Christ? He wants us to produce fruit. What is that? How do you do that? That's proclaiming the kingdom of God. That's taking the gospel, the good news. He wants fruit. In other words, he's saying, invite somebody to follow you. You know, I noticed since I've been here in these four or five years, there's a focus on leadership and the word leader. And as I studied this passage and I watched that video, and I have another one for you at the end, you know what's a better word than leader? Shepherd. Are we not called as Christians, as believers of the Word of God, to shepherd our people, our friends, the lost? How do do those guys get those sheep to follow them? They get that whole herd to just follow. You You see those guys, they never even look back. Shepherd. Hmm. The Lord is giving an invitation to respond immediately. And these some people that we're reading about want to be disciples, pledge their willingness. And in Matthew 8.29, he says, another of his disciples said, you know, Lord, I'll follow you. But they told him they were not ready yet. How long are we going to say, but, but Lord, you don't understand. It's defining moments here. Decisions, choices between heeding the call of the Lord. We need to remember God knows our parents. He knows our sons. He knows our daughters. He knows our grandparents. God's going to take care of it all. When I decided to follow Jesus, my dad said, you're nuts. You've lost it. When I came here, that was he was done. He tried to get Linda on the phone to talk to her, say, you you shouldn't be following my son. He's lost. Why would he just pack up everything to go to a Bible school? Following, yes, does have a price. Could you change the slide for me there? Thank you. But Jesus instructs us in verse 60. Have a look at verse 60 with me. And this lovely table I have here now, Stan, lucky made for me, handmade it. And the reason why is because 
The other, this little one, I can't read my Bible to you. So I print my verses. And it's just been killing me since I've been up here. I'm not reading my word. So he's given me room. I got my word. I got my other notes here. I got plenty of room to, to handle the word of God precisely. So let's look at verse 60. Thank you, Stan. But he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Nothing in this world, nothing, should interfere with our priorities to follow and do what Jesus is asking us to do. Jesus has to be at the center of it all. We all have potential. We all have a gift. And we have this beautiful church. God said he would build his church. Here it is. Let's say to people, come, follow me as I imitate Christ in my life. Don't get stranded out there. Don't get lost. Come. Ezekiel 22.30 is another verse like my Deuteronomy one with Moses. This one here, it says, I search for a man among them who would build up the wall and listen to this, and stand in the gap before me. This is serious when you look at the world today and people walking around. They're here. Jesus over here. They don't know how to get there. What if you step in the middle here and say, come here, follow me. Let me introduce you to this, this man, our Lord and Savior. Stand in the gap. Look at that, that word. Verse 61. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord. Oh, we've got another but. But first permit me to say goodbye to the house, to those at my home, sorry. But Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. These men are not seeking forgiveness and salvation, are they? But self-fulfillment as they look for things they desired. When Jesus confronted them with what was required of those who truly follow him as Lord, what are we seeing? The excuse. I can't do this. I'm not an evangelist. I can't speak. I can't share the word of God. I don't know how to do this. Well, let's learn together. I'd love to teach you. I'd love to show you. Some people are, and that's fantastic. Kinsey in our Bible study took her tracks and went down, was praying down before she went for a swim at the Y at the river. And we got to hear the stories. She's going to tell it one day, but oh my God. She thought she was late to get to this appointment. But it's not, you're never late. You know what? He's just timing it perfect because when she got there at, at that window, here came two people. And what she shared at the window, they went, oh my goodness, you go to church? You're part of a Bible study? We'd like to know more. Hold on. She ran to the car, grabbed her tract, went and handed out a tract to each one. She got all excited. She should have seen her face in the glow. Oh, it was awesome. Why is it awesome? Because you've been used by God. She didn't go, oh, but hold on a second, you know, I'm not sure. 
Jesus challenged these individuals to leave temporal and earthly matters to worldly people. Don't make what's the world throwing at you control you. Secular people are preoccupied with secular matters. But he is saying, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. No matter what doing so might cost you. But like the rich man, the rich young ruler, he was more committed to personal riches than spiritual truth. It's impossible to serve God and riches. Luke tells us that later on in chapter 16, verse 13. First, first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. What's happening here? His words reveal that his family ties are much stronger. He's not being like Peter and those fishermen who just said, oh, right, let's go. I gotta go home. I can't, I, hold on a second, I gotta go home. You know, Jesus knew, as soon as you get home, if I went home and said, Dad, I need to talk to you about something, you know, I think Jesus is asking me to go and do this. <laughs> you know what my dad would have done? Get in your room. You are not, are you crazy? The impulse of the moment would die, just completely die. You start listening to these other thoughts, man's thoughts. Fear, ooh, fear can get a grip of you. I know that myself. Yes, you might be ostracized by your family, but you know the Lord is in control of the whole thing. With everything that's happened with my dad and I and me doing all of this, guess what? He got it. He got to hear the gospel, paid attention, and accepted Christ. He's a totally different man to talk to on the phone. He still thinks I'm a little bit crazy. Look at verse 62 again with me. The bottom part there. No one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Pretty intense. John MacArthur in the New Testament commentary says, Jesus replied by adapting a popular proverb that dates back to the 8th century B.C. A Greek poet called Hesido. No one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, he declared is fit for the kingdom of God. This pictures complete dedication to the task at hand, since one could hardly plow a straight furrow while looking backward. It's impossible to follow Christ with a divided heart, completely. As this man was, he was not fit for the kingdom of God because he was holding on to the kingdom of this world. Look at this plow. Fierce looking piece of machinery here. And you're plowing, a, a, plowing along like this. you got your horses or your oxen doing that and you do this. Where are you going? When I was on my bicycle before Jim instructed me to get a mirror, I'm cycling away and I want to see if I can cross the road. If there's a car behind me, I do that. And guess where I am? I'm right in the middle of the front of the car, right up by the hood of the car. So what does it look like for you? Are you plowing straight? What are you, what is he saying that you mustn't do? Don't look back. Don't think about these things. Look at me. Look at the word of saying. Listen to where I'm taking you. Let's go. It's going to be hard. This is hard work. 
really hard work to plow with this thing. But we're going to go together. Don't get distracted. Don't look around. Don't just fall apart. Hold on. What a, what a picture, isn't it, that he's given us? Do you not know, James, in the book of James says, do you not know friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. James goes on to say, verses 5 through 8, Or do you think that Scripture speaks to no purpose? Take that one in. This is God's word, not Wayne. This is God's word. Or do you think that Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And the Lord led me to 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 18. It says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world... The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Children, he says in verse 18, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. What does the world look like to you? Where do you stand before Jesus Christ? Are you just sucking in more knowledge? We're past that now. He, he gave that to the disciples. He gave it to us. He's now telling us to do something with it. In Psalm 23, it starts with, The Lord is my shepherd. You know how it ends? Forever. Isn't that a great psalm? We acknowledge the need to follow Christ, yet when God reveals His will to us, this is a time to obey. You know, I've had to make some some decisions, and I can encourage you, really. It's tough to think about what could happen. Don't think about that. Just follow him. Hold on to that plow. Go straight, and he's going to take you to an amazing place. I want to read from this uh, Psalm 23 here. Literally in Hebrew, as David wrote Psalm 23, he said, Yahweh is my God. This is the proper and personal name of God of Israel. I am who I am. When Moses asked, who are you? The next word in the verse of Psalm 23 is my, my, yours. The eternal God is not just a shepherd or the shepherd. He is my shepherd. He is your shepherd. That means I am his sheep. He owns me. I am under his management and his care. 
Sheep are mentioned 206 times in the Bible. And there are two major ways we are compared to them. As sheep, one of the only animals that cannot take care of itself. They're clueless. They can't kick. They can't bite. They can't track down food. Can't run away fast. Or dig holes. Or climb trees. They need a shepherd. We're hopeless without a shepherd. To whom we look. We're absolutely hopeless without following this shepherd of Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 3 verses 34 it says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but the one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Could you go to slide four, please? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Today we're just one step away to obedience, away from the next truth that God wants to reveal to you about you and him, your relation, your potential, his goal for you. If you feel restless at heart today and believe that God has more for you that you've been settling for, now is the time to confront your fears. Walk through them. Launch out into a new experience. I want you now to just watch this video that I'm going to play, and then I'll get up and close in prayer. soul is helpless. And therefore, the only hope that a lost soul has to live is if its shepherd will seek it out, find it, and rescue it.
Ezekiel chapter 34, God says, My sheep have become food for all the wild animals, since there was no shepherd. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I will seek the lost and bring back the strayed. In fulfillment of this, Jesus said of himself, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Whoever hears my word and believes has crossed over from death to life. Let's pray. As your heads are bowed, do you know the shepherd's voice? Are you listening to that voice? Did you see that shepherd in the video used his right hand? No food in it. Jesus and God's word talks about how he uplifts you with his right hand. He didn't tease that sheep to follow him with some food. How patiently he walked up, patiently he just loved on that lost sheep. Loved him. Walked slowly so he can follow, speaking to him the whole time. God's calling us to go out lovingly as shepherds. Not leaders, shepherds. Speak gently. Be the salt that makes them thirsty for more of you. Will you listen now? While your heads are bowed, If you wish to cross over from death to life, now because you believe in Jesus Christ, your shepherd, raise your arm and lower it, and I'll pray with you. Father, as I close in prayer, your Psalm 34 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. O fear the Lord, you saints. For to those who fear him, there is no want. But they who seek the Lord shall not be in want for any good thing. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Father, help us who know you. No more. But, but just, Lord, yes, here I am. Help me to see the lost sheep. Help me to go that extra mile like that shepherd, searching that rough terrain for one sheep. Lord, just help us, Lord, to proclaim the kingdom of God at this time, this hour that we see in our world. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you would even trust us with your word, with the truth. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We ask you bless our day and the week ahead, our picnic, our fellowship. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.